0: Welcome to the Value Perspective podcast on decision-making. We're a group of value investors working together on the global value team here at Schroder's. As investors, we have to tackle decision-making in uncertain environments every day. In this podcast series, we speak to people from other walks of life who also share the challenge of making decisions in complex and uncertain environments. We cover topics such as how to think in probabilities, tools for overcoming psychological biases and how we can learn and improve decision making in complex environments. We hope you enjoy it.
1: This podcast is for investment professionals only. The value of investments and income from them may go down as well as up and investors may not get back the amounts originally invested. Past performance is not a guide to future performance. The information is not an offer, solicitation or recommendation to any of the funds, services or products or to adopt any investment strategy. The views and opinions contained herein are those of the individuals to whom they are attributed to. It may not necessarily represent views expressed or reflected in other Schroeder's communications, strategies, or funds. Hi everyone! This week we have a quick Christmas treat for you. It is a shorter episode with our returning guest, Simon Cook. Simon recently wrote a piece called Solving Christmas, How to Make it Better Next Year, which caught our eye. So you sat down with TVP's Andy Williams to discuss the post and system thinking, including how Christmas is a complex adaptive system in Simon's mythical Merry Christmas tree. During this festive season, we also want to remind you of the quiz that we're running on the blog with a prize for the winner. We're going to be taking a short break to celebrate the end of the year, and we'll be back with some new episodes in January. Enjoy.
2: Simon Evan Cook, it's an absolute pleasure to have you back on the Value Perspective podcast.
0: It's great to be back. Thank you for having me again.
2: You were our 50th guest uh, in the summer. If you remember, that podcast was recorded in a broom cupboard uh, <laughs> around a remember, laptop. Yeah. Uh, we're in slightly more kind of grandiose surroundings today in our new studio. Yeah,
0: I'm blown away. This is uh, this is really quite impressive stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited and uh, even more nervous than I was for the summer one.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it certainly makes you slightly nervous. So we... On our last podcast, the the, the final question I, I asked you was about about Christmas. And this is actually a, a special episode. It's just a short mini episode. Um, and I've heard you describe your day job as one that depends on good decision-making uh, and solving complex problems. Now, we're here to talk at this time of year about the biggest problem of all, <laughs> uh, and that is Christmas. You said it can be stressful, it can be expensive. It very rarely lives up to expectations. Uh, I remember you published that blog, I think, just after Christmas last year. Uh, and it was about how we can solve Christmas next year. Here we are. Um, you know, so let, let's dive into it. How, how can we save ourselves? How can we make Christmas 2022 the best one, best one yet?
0: Yeah, that blog post was a kind of exasperated <laughs> outcry, I think, after having had Christmas. And I'm a problem solver and I want to try and make things better. So I got down and dirty on Christmas. Now, the way I think uh, of Christmas is as a system, which is probably quite an unromantic way of describing Christmas, but I think that's what it is. And maybe we'll talk about what a system is later on. But if you've got something which is a complex system, what you need to solve that is, in return, quite a complex plan. Now, the slippery thing about Christmas, I think, is that it changes and it adapts and it moves all the time. So the one year that you think you've got Christmas – absolutely nailed. If you try and repeat that algorithm, the Christmas algorithm, the the year after and the year after, it probably won't work because you will have changed, Christmas will have changed, so you can't do it. So what I'm proposing, my answer is a complex adaptive answer. That's my completely uncatchy term for (laughs) this. And it's how you can go about, I guess, managing Christmas, Uh, how you can make it Every time, as close to merry as uh, (laughs) as you as you possibly can.
2: Fantastic! It makes me think a little bit like the perfect holiday you went on, and potentially the next year you go again, and it's just not quite the same, even though you try and. It's exactly that you try and do everything the same, and it just doesn't work out as it did the year before.
0: Because what people forget is that everything changes, and as investment managers, you forget this at your peril. Right? If you try and do the same thing and buy the same type of stock year in year after year. It just doesn't work because something's changed. The price has moved. The company's changed. And it's the same with Christmas. If you imagine or remember all the Christmases you've had over your lifespan, you think about the ones you had as a kid. It was just about pure fun. It was turn up, have fun, open presents. It was the best time of year. Then when you got to probably be about 14, 15 or 16, the enjoyment starts to dip off a little bit because you're still trying to live the child Christmas, but you can't. But then Christmas adapts and you adapt. And so you're probably between 18 and 28. Certainly for me, it was about parties. It was about going out, meeting up with student friends and catching up with them. Um, It was a completely different Christmas, obviously, to when I was a kid. But then when you start to hit 27, 28, 29 again, that enjoyment starts to die off. And now because I've got kids you get probably a second peak of Christmas when you get into the time when it's all about your younger kids and it's just magical and seeing them go through that fun bit. But then I'm now, my kids are getting into teenage years, so I'm probably over that sort of peak again. So it changes all the time. And if you just try to do the same thing, like if you're 35 with kids and you're still trying to do the sociable Christmas of when you were 23, it's probably not going to end very well and you're not going to be very happy. So it is about how can you create a... Christmas each time actually does the job.
2: My eldest is two and a half, so I'm hopefully just coming back up. <laughs> that you girl, are absolutely on the, the right. Yeah.
0: she's getting very excited. It's yeah. You are, I think, one or two Christmases away from sort of the, the, the peak. Yeah, Second the peak, peak. <laughs> or certainly into it. Maybe it'll last a few years, but absolutely amazing times ahead of you. Yeah, I'm, I'm jealous. <laughs> so, in
2: complex adaptive systems, there are elements their interactions and their purposes. Can you just expand on on some of those concepts and why they're why they're so important for thinking yeah, about systems?
0: Absolutely. So systems thinking is the subject name and it's kind of my new religion. I've always, I guess, thought like a systems thinker, but I didn't know it was actually a thing until I read a few books on it, and found out that it's a subject that you can be taught, but it's not particularly well known. But yeah, one of the features of how you can identify whether something is a complex adaptive system is that they consist of these three things. So there are elements, interrelations, and purposes. So the elements, if you take a system like a company, so any company is a system, any team is a system, any forest is a system, uh, you look at the elements for a company. The elements are the people, the building, the hardware, all the bits that you can see, the tangible bits and pieces. Now that's quite hard for a company as big as Schroders. That's quite hard to imagine all that yeah. stuff anyway. And that, but that's what people tend to just imagine when they're imagining or managing a system like that. Is the is the bits, the pieces, the elements? But really, when it starts to get complex, is that is the relationships between all those elements? Now, if there are a hundred elements, let's say a company with a hundred people, there will be thousands upon thousands of interrelations between them. And that's when it starts to get really complicated. So you've imagined a system like uh, an economy, all the hundreds of thousands of millions of interactions that goes on between the elements are huge. So it's, that's where we start to lose it. I think as a human being, we can't track it too much stuff going on. But the final thing is that a system will have a purpose. And it's understanding what that purpose is. So uh, uh, your body is a purpose. Uh, Well, your body is a system, and it will have a purpose to survive. Or if you're running it, it's to be happy, or it's to complete a certain goal, whatever it might be. Schroeder's will have a purpose. It'll have purposes that Schroeder's as a company will be aware of, to make money, to keep its staff happy, to keep customers happy, whatever they might be. But one of the big ones that's common to all systems is to survive. So every system – and it – tends to have living parts, or so a company's got living parts, will want to survive uh, through the will of the individual parts of that company that want to survive. So I think Christmas absolutely qualifies for that. Uh, because if you look at all the elements of Christmas, you've got the people... So imagine your own Christmas, right? You've got all the people who are coming along. You've got all the stuff, the presents, the, uh, the food. <clears throat> yeah. So many different elements. And that's hard enough to grasp. But when you start then imagining... All the interrelations between all those things. I mean, just between people. is because interrelations grow exponentially when elements grow uh, in a kind of linear fashion. And that's really the bit that gets you. So there's a bit on the blog post where I talk about a table plan, where if you have just a table plan with two people, there's two people in one relationship. But pretty much as soon as you start to add another person, you start to exponentially grow the relationships, whereby if you had 10 people at your Christmas, if you add another one person, that sounds quite simple, but you are adding another 10 relationships. And any one of those relationships could be the one that blows up over Christmas. Yes. They have a row over what to watch on TV or what to eat or you know whatever it might be. So it just gets exponentially more difficult.
2: Okay. So we've got – that's fascinating. So we've got the elements, what well, are interrelations between those elements and purposes. Yes. And I encourage everyone – to go to the blog, I've plugged, uh, you know, com and, and read this blog on solving Christmas. But the final part of that, that piece is Seth finding the purpose. And you came up with something, I think yeah. you called your um, mythical Merry Christmas tree. <laughs> That's um, it, yes. Why is that so important?
0: That's so important because if you're ever trying to solve a problem that is basically a system or involves a system, so running a company, running a sports team, anything like that, you have to have what I would call a complex adaptive answer. And that is something, it's not just one silver bullet, one thing that solves the thing for you. It's something you have to be on top of and manage and adapt to meet the fact that the problem's going to adapt. So with Christmas, you need to understand, first of all, if you imagine a Christmas tree shape, the star on the top, if you like, is your big goal for Christmas. And I think we can all agree Christmas, the big goal should be that it is merry. I mean, whatever you say, (laughs) whatever you define it, your Christmas should be merry. So that's right at the top. Then imagine, I guess, like a bit of a flow chart. How do you make sure that it's merry? And this is the bit where you need to keep on top of it because you need to work out what are your own purposes for Christmas? What would make... What boxes do you need to tick that if you don't tick one of those boxes, your Christmas won't be merry? So I sat down with my family last Christmas. We ran through some of these. So there's topics like spending time with your family so you've got to tick that box if you don't do that Christmas won't be merry for me I want to have a bit of a break it's been a busy year it's always been a busy year so I want to have some t- some downtime. so I want to make sure that that happens I want to make sure that I've kept the kids happy because I think Christmas is really about the kids so it's about making sure that they've had a good time in whichever way that might be Uh, And then there are other factors as well, like helping out maybe people are less fortunate than you, which is, again, what Christmas should be kind of all about. So you've got these big headings on the next level. Once you've got those, you can then work down to the next level of baubles on the Christmas tree, as it were, and work out all the little individual actions. You've got to make sure to make sure each one of those happens. So if it's keeping kids happy, it might be taking them to see a Christmas movie at the cinema or taking them to see Father Christmas or making sure they've got the right presents. That way, you could then get to the point where you've got actions and a plan that you can actually make it work all the way back up. And if you get everything right, Merry Christmas! That star is lit up, and you're and you're there.
2: I think it's as important. Is it helps to guide you on the things that aren't that you're just doing, but aren't necessarily serving the purpose? Like
0: that's it. Yeah, if you've got got stuff, quite often you'll have bits in there which you're just doing because your parents did. So the tra- the thing is, traditions build up over yeah. Christmas. Right? Every year, you, you seem to gain at least two or three new traditions. Some of them were ones your parents had. So yeah, definitely reviewing whether you need to cook 58 different vegetables as part of the <laughs> Christmas <laughs> <Yes>. lunch <laughs> is a big part of it. it. It's Because if you trim down all those elements, then absolutely you start to simplify it and you get more time. The more time you've got, the more chance you've got of uh, being able to achieve that. Now, I've recently come across a new problem-solving technique, which is called uh, uh, constraint relaxation, excitingly. Okay. Uh, And it's where you imagine if you take away one of your big constraints, now that might be money, or it might be family, or it might be time. So let's say you took away money as a constraint. What would be your ideal Christmas? And I'll put that question to you now. If money wasn't a question to, to you, Andrew, what would your Christmas look like? Well, things
2: thing is, in my, my size, money already isn't a constraint on <laughs> on the decorations that we have. She's very into the decorations. So the
0: house would look the same.
2: The house would probably look the same. Um, that's a very good question. I think... Uh, I often, what I find interesting about that question is when, you are, when I think about it in most scenarios, the answer is it probably wouldn't be that different. You think, like, well, what would I do if I had this money to go on this holiday? Like the holidays would be slightly nicer, but yeah... yeah you still actually want to do spending time with your family
0: your Well, children. then maybe if you took another constraint, what if family wasn't a constraint? What would you do with that Well, that, that could that be a change? very different it.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So
0: remove the constraints. But it's, very good, it's a really it's good a point. It's a really good way of thinking about exercise. it. For sure, yeah. It's absolutely, yeah. Would you go abroad? Would you change something around? Would yeah. you Would you hire a big stately home if money yeah. was no and actually, have it there? Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> so you start to come up to with these idea ideas and you start to wonder, yeah, maybe that's the way to do it, for sure.
2: Yeah. That's fascinating. Well, look, thank you so much. I'm gonna. This is all about Christmas. I'm going to end with a, a quick-fire quick fire round of questions. Okay, I'm going. Um, so, Simon Evan Cook. Mince pies or mulled wine? Mince pies. Every time. Cranberry sauce or bread sauce? Cranberry. Christmas carols or Christmas hits? <sighs> Christmas carols. Are perhaps the most important question of them all. I'm ready. Die Hard or Love Actually?
0: <sighs> oh, my word. Uh, that is that is the hardest <laughs> question of all. I'm going to go with Love Actually because I think I could watch that every year. Die Hard is probably a once every three-year uh, spectacular. Yeah, Love Actually. I'm going with
2: that. Very good answer. You've been a fantastic sport. Thank you. Um, I think you know systems thinking and how it applies to decision making. It's not just for Christmas; it's for life as well. And that's something <laughs> we've uh, we've definitely learned. It today.
0: absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: thank you so much for uh, for joining me again, and this time in our wonderful studio
0: pleasure uh, it's been great to be here and i hope you have a very merry christmas i hope you solve it this year
2: thank you and you too uh, and to all our listeners this is our final uh, podcast of the year so i just like to extend a huge uh, thank you to everyone for listening um, and wish you all a very merry christmas uh, and a happy new year